Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So the good news is when you actually hit play on this and begin to listen to the three of us talk about Cincinnati Reds baseball, you will do so presumably after watching the Reds win 6-2 over the Philadelphia Phillies to break their losing streak, um, to flush the 1-5 road trip that they just got done with, out of mind, out of memory, whatever else. Um, either that or you are one of the dozens, and dozens is a very uh, uh, a loosely used word uh, to describe some of you that find our episodes about a month and a half after we put them out and listen to them then. At which point in time, I have no idea where the Cincinnati Reds are going to be. But that said, uh, a little bit of positivity right now. They got back home. Uh, they put a Phillies team to bed. Uh, another good start from Nick Lodolo, even if he didn't go super deep into the game. Um, but it just kind of seems like this is a group that looks like they feel a little bit comfortable when they're playing at home, uh, more so than they did on the road trip. Uh, but we'll we'll lead in talking about the road trip to get this episode started. Um, thanks for joining us back on Walks Will Hunt, by the way. I'm Wick. I'm your host. Uh, joined, as always, by BK, Brandon Kraling, but also with the ESPN 1530's Mo Egger joining us tonight. So um, I guess, guys, we look at a one-in-five road trip, and is it is it possible to uh, to concede that it actually was like a kind of a positive road trip? Like, can you do that? Is that allowed by, by us as Reds fans at this point? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I I think I, I think this season is really sort of up to the beholder, right? It's you're allowed to process the results of this season however you choose. If if your emotions and your response to what they're doing is solely tied to wins and losses, that's okay. And if you want to completely ignore the wins and losses, that's okay too. I, I think that's it's kind of the beauty, but it's also the curse of this team. There, there's no one way to do it. I, I tend to mesh both things. I viewed the road trip as frustrating from the standpoint of the prevailing theme of the game's outcome felt familiar. And that yes. was mm-hmm. a, a bunch of DFA dudes in the bullpen coughing the games up. That was yeah. frustrating. At the same time, you saw some really good starting pitching outings. 
you saw the the, the continued um, the, the continued production from the guys at the top of the order. I, I thought you just had some things just just go against them when David Bell pushed the right buttons, i.e., you know, Saturday when he brought in Diaz to face uh, maybe the best three hitters in the Phillies lineup in a one-run game. They got him attack on run, and then things just didn't work out. But but I would take my chances with Alexis Diaz in that situation uh, 10 more times out of 10. Um, and so, you know, I had this conversation with somebody not on the air but, but at work today who couldn't have cared less that they lost those games in Atlanta. And I understood his point. His point was, look, man, uh, Hunter Green took a step forward in that last start on on Wednesday. And, you know, you got what you got from Graham Ashcraft. And, you know, they're getting guys on. They're, they, they finally started to run a little bit more. They're this close. They had some things go against them. And then, you know, my response was, well, yeah, but I mean, if Tyler Stevenson blocks a ball in the dirt, maybe they win that game. If Jose Barrero can catch a ground ball, maybe they win that game. If Will Benson knows how to unleash a, a competent throw from left field, maybe they win that ball game. They're still not doing the little things needed to beat teams, especially in environments like Atlanta, especially against opponents like the Braves. And again, um, you're still running guys out there who are in the bullpen, probably not going to be here by the time the team is good. And so, the results of the games are frustrating, but yeah, you, you can find um, pearls of of optimism or things worth clinging to if you kind of go beyond the game's outcome. I tend to do both. I get frustrated with the same results, but I am encouraged by some of the things I'm seeing within those results. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the entire premise of this year is find out if the guys that you hope are supposed to be good can be good. Find out if the guys that you invested in, and obviously now we're talking about, we're not talking about big free agent contracts investing, but we're talking about, you know, first round signing bonus contracts, your first round picks, the the guys who are supposed to be the guys that you built around, the 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 key returns for the guys that you traded at the deadline when you could have traded them for anybody. Um, the guys like Spencer Steer, who that's what you got when you made that deal with, with the twins, who, who you're banking on that deal being better than the ones that you turned down. Um, you know, I watched them go one and five against the Phillies and, and the Atlanta Braves, lose four consecutive one-run games. Um, even the Diaz move, Diaz is obviously a guy you hope continues to look good. As you mentioned, looked really good in the spot that he was put in initially. It's just he couldn't pull off the the larger feat that he was asked to do after the fact, which I don't even fault him for. It's the first time he's done it all year. Um, none of the guys that you hope are supposed to be key cogs for the next great Reds team, quote unquote, looked anything other than great. As far as I'm concerned, you know, Green, Ashcraft, and Ladillo looked fantastic atop the rotation. Uh, Jonathan India looks like he did when he was a four-win player and won the Rookie of the Year award. Tyler Stevenson, much like he was last year, when he's healthy, he's going to hit. Uh, and then you've got Steer, who looks at third base like he's uh, a guy who can hit the ball and, and, and play a competent third base, and that's a viable piece. Um, all of that, like, yeah, when you're when you when you know that you've had. X number of 90 plus loss seasons in the last seven years, including a hundred plus loss season last year. Um, you've kind of tuned yourself into not wanting to watch the, the wins and losses uh, stack up in um, uh, not necessarily symmetrical styles uh, as the, as the season progresses, but to find the silver linings. And the fact is, and BK, we've talked about this on previous episodes. Um, this is not a 26 man roster that's put together with 26 players who they expect to be around. They got about 10 to 12 who they really are interested in and hope that that 10 to 12 matures well enough to where then they invest in the rest. What are, what are your thoughts on, on what we watched the last week of Reds baseball? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, from where I'm at, I mean, I definitely am kind of seeing both sides as well. You know, I think that 
it is kind of, it's almost uniquely frustrating though, just to see, you know, see them get so close so many times. And, you know, you look at the, you know, I guess what they're five and seven now. Yes. Um, yes. So, but like you, they could easily be seven and five. They could be, you know, they could be nine and three. I mean, if, if more things work out, right. Like they, they just had so many of those situations where that bullpen didn't work out and it wasn't designed to work out. You know, it's like the, the bullpen they built is, you know, as you said, Mo, like just, you know, DFA guys, right. Like guys that aren't getting a job anywhere else in baseball. And, you know, they're a lottery ticket. So sorry to interrupt, but not just, not just DFA guys, guys who the Reds DFA themselves. Yeah. Give everyone else a shot to get them. And uh, here they are back, back in, back in big leverage situations. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's, it, it is what you made and you know, it, it I, I think it's still encouraging to see, you know, the things that have gone well uh, go well. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, as Reds fans, we've kind of not had that over her, um, the last couple of years, um, just with guys like, you know, I, I think of like Jose Peraza, right? Guy, big prospect guy didn't really come up, do much. Um, you know, I think the, those kind of, you're seeing that Jake Fraley, right? Like Jake Fraley, kind of that, that guy um, now, he's hitting the ball. He's looking like a player that you can build around. And I think that, you know, it's it's just, it almost feels more frustrating to know that there are things that they could willingly have done to make this a more competitive team. And they decided not to do it, even though, you know, let's put aside that we know that that's not the point of this year. That's not what like the front office is trying to do, but it, you know, it's just, it just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing with with just the reaction to the beginning of the season is the fact that what we're watching is at the beginning of the season. So, you know, right. is this team different than last year? Yeah. Were they ever going to go three and twenty two? No. But uh, with the exception of two thousand twenty one, rough starts have been this franchise's mo. And I I, I know we're going to draw some comparisons to the two thousand eighteen team, but that's that's really kind of when it started when they went you know, whatever it was three and 18 and, and fired <laughs> yeah. Brian price. And so, you know, with, with each mounting loss, you're going, okay, let's try to avoid the slow start trying to, and from their standpoint. And I think from the standpoint of those of us who, who like it, when this team is relevant, like, you know, y- you want them to matter beyond Easter. You want them to matter beyond mother's day. You'd like for them to matter for a while. And so that, that gets torpedoed if they get off to a slow start. And so you have, all those, you know, rough first few weeks of the season fresh in your memory. And then you're looking at the schedule and it's like, okay, let this one get away against Philly. God, they got to go to Atlanta. Then Philly comes back. Then it's Tampa Bay who never loses. Like, boy, you know what? Maybe the wins and losses don't matter so much, but if it, if it looks and feels exactly the same or or close to what it has in the win loss standings for a while, it's going to be really hard to feel like genuine progress is being made. If, if they go one and five on the road, against Philadelphia and Atlanta and it's the middle of June. I don't know that we're making a huge deal out of that. I think, I think the proximity right. to the beginning of the season is, is a factor here in, in terms of how people are, 
are reacting. Fortunately, yeah, they they did win tonight. But but and and I don't I don't know that that's this team's fault. It's not this team's fault that last year's team uh, went three and twenty two. It's not this year's team's fault that the the one in twenty nineteen. What were they one and eight, one and nine, something like that? But you know, we as fans, we we kind of know that that's kind of part of the deal here. They always get off to slow starts, and so there's this here we go again thing pressed up against the schedule, which aside from the first, uh, I guess, five games against Pittsburgh and Chicago has been pretty tough and and there's no immediate end in sight. And so I think that really makes some of those individual losses doubly frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I look up at, at, at the three and 18 started in, in 2018 and the three and 22 start in 2022. And I start to really wonder what's going to happen in, uh, 2097 when they start 397 um it's uh it's 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 nice to see you know i think we 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 talked about this a little bit already is that you know the players that you expect to lead the team and be the best players have been kind of those best players so far but also you're getting a lot of production that guys like TJ Friedel like Jake Freely as, as BK mentioned who you know you're hoping they can be the parts that you assume they might have a chance to be as kind of those peripheral players and getting a lot of production from those guys as well it's it's promising. And to last year's credit, you know, for as, as god-awful as things were throughout the entire season, as terrible as they were to start the season, a lot of that came down to, A, starting with 11 out of 13 games on the road, but more importantly than that and anything else, just how devastating the injuries were to start that mm-hmm. season and what it did to Jonathan India, to Donovan Solano, to Jake Freely, a lot of the guys that you were counting on to be those new faces um, never even got the chance to get started. And by the time they were all healthy and well, I don't know if any was ever really healthy last year, but by the time they got all the guys they wanted to have back on there, the script was written, the story was done. You, you were forced to let it play out, you know, knock on everything physically possible right now. We're seeing the best that the Reds have to offer out there every single day. And that's at least encouraging because you can look up and see them go against, you know, and, and let's also be honest, on the road against Philadelphia, who went to the World Series last year, and on the roads against the, the Braves, who are recent World Series champions, not easy places to go on the road and play. And right. despite the fact that the record and the results ended up not being there, the Reds were in and had a chance to win every single game out there. And that's um, that's at least yeah. that that's something that you're seeing because you're seeing fight and you're seeing fight from the guys that you want to be out there and not from somebody else who's forced to fill in um, with the notable caveat being uh, guys like Joey Votto and Nick Sinzel, who've been stuck in AAA to start the season. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, I mean, um, that, I, but that almost, that brings up something that I'm just kind of now thinking about. It's, you know, how, what is the impact do we think of just leaving Joey Votto off of the opening day roster and the impact that that's had on this team other than, you know, I think it, I mean, in a positive way, as crazy as it sounds to say that it's, you know, it's, it's a, a, it, it, yeah. And let them know, kind of turn the page to a and just movement. let them say, you know, Hey, For we're going to figure this out to start the season without Joey Votto. And, you know, maybe if he's here, maybe he hits right away, but traditionally Joey Votto's always been a slow starter and even, you know, coming off an injury and, you know, I, I shudder to think that if they would have put Joey Votto in, you know, the, the lineup every day to start the season. Um, you know, maybe they don't win all those games uh, against the Pirates and Cubs. And maybe, you know, maybe the vibes are even, you know, not as good at this point. We know, would have had no J- series. You know, we, we, we would have had no Jason Vosler in the lineup if Joey Votto was in there. Look what yeah, he did the true. first couple weeks. True. So, Babe Vosler. 
You know, first of all, uh, thank you for reminding me that the Reds had Donovan Solano last year. I had forgotten. He's knocking the cover off the ball for the Twins right he's, now. Which he's is no crushing it, Minnesota. Yeah, he's he's yeah. crushing it. It's it's funny because I was thinking a lot about Joey Votto this morning because we were going to have on uh, the the voice of the bats to talk about Nick Senzel uh, because Nick was going to huh. be coming up and. Joey Votto was almost a secondary consideration. Think about that. This is, for my money, a Hall of Famer, one of my all-time favorite players, and a guy who, you know, as 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 a Reds fan, he's he's been a constant for you know 15, yeah. 16 years, even going back beyond that when he was in the minor leagues. And and so I, I was thinking, like, when he gets here, it's almost going to be like this relic from the past. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Um I certainly right. hope Joey comes back and plays well. Um, yeah, I, I think that all will be kind of forgiven and forgotten if he yeah. can continue to, you know, if he can just kind of pick up where the rest of the guys are at this point. I, I think everything will be good. And, you know, I, I wanted to, I, yeah, you want him to come back and help, though, but, but, I, you know? but I don't want him, I don't want him to be in the way. Right. And, yeah. yeah. I, it feels like, I, you know, they've done so much with the just the, you know, the Viking helmet stuff and all, all, all that stuff that, you know, has happened with him on the sideline and in Louisville, you know, I, I wouldn't want them like the guys that have been here to, you know, not take those good vibes and run with them like they have been, because I think that that, you know, was a big part of that first homestand. And I, you know, yeah. Well, first of all, I, I want to see Joey don the Viking helmet, so that means he's got to hit at least one round trip. <laughs> yes, please. And I, oh, yeah. look, I I feel like I feel like if he's productive, he'll fit in. He'll you know even if it's not yeah. his team, he'll he's a smart enough guy. He's a good enough guy. Like he'll he'll figure out a way to fit in. But I I think you know God knows when he comes back. But it's if there's if there's some good, you know, good stuff happening and suddenly Joey's here and, you know, he's going to play, he's maybe not going to play every day, but he's, he's going to get his share of playing time and he does struggle and he gets off to a slow start is, am I worried about that torpedoing their chances this year? No, but, but you know, for, for a season that is so focused on what's next and, and what the future is, Joey Votto is none of that. And so yeah. what you would like is for yeah. him to be this, you know, this piece that when he plays and he plays well, he's kind of a callback to what he used to be. And he can have a good, if it's assuming it's his last year here, good final season in Cincinnati. I think the most, almost the most miserable thing would be things are kind of moving along quite nicely. Joey comes back and, and it doesn't work. It doesn't fit in. And, and now he's just kind of there. And right. I, I'm not saying that's going to be awkward in the clubhouse or in the dugout, but as a fan, it'd be weird. And, and right. I, I hope we avoid that, but I, I, you know, I remember this this spring saying something to the effect of like, "I've never been less interested in Joey Votto." That sounds harsh, yeah. But yeah, but 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 for a season where everything is about how does this set up for what's next, Joey Votto is not a part of what's next, or or at least we don't think he's going to be, and and most would argue he shouldn't be. And so that sounds rough. That sounds harsh. It, that that's coming from somebody who has spent a, a career. Uh, going overboard and in, in trying to explain to everybody how good this guy is, uh, that dynamic is going to be weird. Um, is is yeah. everything okay with your kid? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, she's uh, okay. she's she's uh, she's chiming in a little bit uh, from the other room, but I think she's going to be just, we've just been fine. There. Okay, I get it. She's, yeah. a, she's a big Joey Votto supporter. Yeah, she's, so she's, she's quite she's quite the Joey Votto fan. Make it make it her her uh, presence felt. Um, you yeah. know my my uh, my the one thing that I keep kind of coming back to with Joey is the 2021 season. Obviously, it's the most recent time he's been dominant. So, of course, I'm going to try to go back there and, and think about that. Um, the biggest caveat in all of this is whether or not he's healthy. And having double major surgery on a, a bicep and a shoulder, there's no real clue to know exactly how strong he's going to be going forward, especially as 39 going on 40. We all know that. Um, but I do remember when he was in that midst of the 2021 season, before things even really got going for him, um, he broke his thumb. He was hit by a pitch and missed, what, three, almost four weeks because he only played 120, 130 games in that year where he still hit 36 home runs. Um, but when he came back, he talked about how well guys like Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson were playing and the fact that there was actually some vibrancy back in playing for that team. And he talked about kind of being energized by some of the youth that was there at that point in time and kind of taking a little bit of the pressure off of him and not being the only person there. Um, obviously, we're talking about a club that also had Jesse Winker and had Nick Castellanos. They had guys who were uh, proven big leaders and guys who uh, the front office and, and, and ownership had gone out and paid to be legitimate big league players around him, which is something that's very different from this team. But I hope if we're talking about a model for Joey to come back and kind of fit in and make things be just a little bit more amplified, which they will be regardless, because if he's back and it probably is going to be his last final season in Cincinnati, there's going to be more of a spotlight, obviously locally, but also a little bit more nationally as the season inches towards the, it, its end on him and on the team if he's there. Uh, I, I think there is at least a little bit of a blueprint to him being – a guy who's willing to be maybe not, you know, part number nine on the team, but part number four or five even. Yeah, uh, yeah. And maybe he settles into that. Yeah. I think that like the thing that I'm thinking about is like, when was the last time Joey Votto wasn't the most important player on the Reds? I mean, it was probably what, 2009, maybe where he wasn't he was the always, guy for the Reds. But he was so, also the best player on like the other nine Reds. Oh, you know? I mean, sure, sure. I mean, in, that's not to say he didn't deserve it, obviously, but like, you know, I think that what we've seen this season so far is kind of the first year where this isn't the Joey Votto show. And, you know, I, I'm really encouraged by what we've seen, but, you know, I, it does definitely make you wary that when he comes back, you know, how is it not going to be the Joey Votto show? Right. Cause if it's his last season in Cincinnati, he's going to get, the attention that he's going to get, you know, and I, I just, you know, I, I almost shudder to think that, you know, how they, how they make that dynamic work so that the guys who are, who have been up here can continue to develop and continue to kind of pave the future and not, you know, have Joey Votto, you know, taking the, taking the, like taking the spotlight away. Because I, I mean, I think that this, you know, there are a lot of guys on this team who are ready for the spotlight, it feels like. And that, I think that's what we're seeing. I, I think what I, to a degree, hope happens. Um, I was having a conversation. I don't know when it was. We, we were talking about the 1990 Reds, and somebody mentioned that Hal Morris was on that team. And simultaneously, me and another guy go, Hal Morris was on the 99 Reds? And like, I had to look it up and sure enough played in like half the games and 
and was like, you know, was there in September, was getting at bats. Um, you don't remember that. What I, it's not apples to apples, but maybe like in, in a number of years, this team is pretty good. And the foundation of, of what they're doing is, is, you know, largely the, a lot of the guys who are on the team right now, plus obviously guys in the system and they achieve, you know, some level of, of large scale success. And we talked about them down the road so much so that we're like, but Joey Votto played with Spencer steer. Really? (laughs) I don't. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was his last year. I, I hope that happens. And that's that that's hopefully more of a statement about, you know, the, the number of guys from this team that end up really being a, a part. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's not, again, not apples to apples, but you know, when, when this franchise started to, you could sense that things were, were about to get better in the late two thousands, you know, Griffey and Dunn were still here for the first four months of 08. You you don't remember those guys being teammates with Joey Votto and Jay Bruce, but they were so much so that like on the rare occasion where you see footage or a picture of those guys and Joey on the same team, you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I hope that enough of these guys are good enough to form this sort of team that we remember them with fondness. And when we talk about when it started, it's like, Oh yeah. And, and do you remember Joey Votto was actually with those guys. And hopefully when we say that, it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, he had a couple of big hits in a, in, in, in certain situations, but the dynamic is weird. You're right. It's, it's the first time that I have felt like he's not, not only is he not the most, he's not the most important guy. He's not the most interesting. And that's nothing on <laughs> Joey. Cause Joey is infinitely yeah. interesting. They do have guys who just I'm I'm more just intellectually invested in and emotionally invested in than I am you know Joey and that's that's good it, it's also yeah, that's kind of sad I, I, but it's good. yeah I mean it, it's just kind of the way things go right it's you know you're not and I mean uh, yeah it's it's kind of rich saying that in this city where you know there's a subset of people who are still who still think that Pete Rose is the most important player on the Reds and. You know, but, uh, at the same time. And, and always will you know, be. Yes. Today. I, I mean, he's the important guy on today's Reds. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, you know, that's the thing that we have to remember is like, you know, players move on, you know, times change. You know, the uniform stays the same, but the uh the guys in it, you know, update and you know, I, I think that we are kind of right in between two chapters. And it feels like we're like pull we're turning the page of the new chapter here this season. And it, it feels, it feels good. It feels, you know, encouraging, but you know, yeah, I think that I, I totally agree with your point, Mo, of like, you know, we're going to like, hopefully, you know, our grandkids someday are going to be sitting around like, Oh man, can you believe that Joey Votto and uh, Hunter green shared an infield together? Oh man, that yeah. must've been amazing. And, and so, you know, yeah. Well, in a, uh, a related vein, I guess, um, you know, talking about turning the page a little bit and looking up and realizing that, you know, things that, that, that we've been used to for a while aren't necessarily working out the same way they once did. Uh, we got a little bit of news on the roster front because Nick Senzel uh, started the season on the injured list in AAA, uh, is now officially back with the Reds, got called up before the game, the game started today. 
and uh, started in center field with a lefty on the mound of Bailey Falter. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Nick Senzel was the guy that we were trying to turn the page to. You know, he was the guy who was coming up. He was the future. He was the the number two draft pick. He was the the guy who hit his way all the way through the minors, um, and was the guy who I think a lot of us hoped would be the reason why the Reds would uh, kind of begin to, to to have a next option again. And suddenly he's what he's twenty eight years old, going on twenty nine years old, if I'm uh, looking at my my notes correctly. Um, and he's coming back into the fold in a role that is completely undefined. If anything, it's more undefined than it ever has been because they're listing him as an infielder and an outfielder, two things he's been before, but not two things he's ever really tried to pull off at the same time. And uh, the Reds are hoping that he can kind of be a piece that can fit in around everything else they've got going right now. And um, it just kind of made me look back at the last time that the Reds really is deep into a rebuild as they currently are, which was 2018, which was 2019, which was when Nick Senzel was the top prospect in the Red system. And just kind of looking back at where things were at that point relative to where things are right now. Um, you know, there are a lot of parallels, I think, to where the Reds had stocked their system before. I'm looking at the, the 2019 MLB pipeline top prospects in the Red system right now. And it reads Nick Senzel, Taylor Trammell, Hunter Green, Jonathan India, Tony Santion, Tyler Stevenson, Mike Ciani, Vlad Gutierrez, Jose Siri, and Lion Richardson down at number 10. Um, it's a lot of guys who were first-round picks. It's a lot of guys who were very highly touted prospects. Uh, it's guys they invested a lot of money in to sign internationally. Um, Mike Ciani, a fourth-round pick, is the lowest of the picks on that list, but they gave him second-round money to sign and, and skip out on going to UVA. Um, Jose Siri, perhaps the toolsiest guy we've seen in the Red System in the last 15, 16 years. Um, in retrospect, you look back at that farm system and say, that's a farm system that we should have been more excited about then because there's a lot of talent burgeoning up right then. Um, it's also kind of a cautionary tale for how excited we are about some of the young players uh, right now within the red system, some of whom we haven't had a chance to see yet because Lady La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion and Strand are still a little banged up and not starting the season just yet. But um, you know, when I look up and I see guys on the big league roster, guys like Spencer Steer hit the ground running and play as well as he has. Admittedly, he's played very, very well through the first two weeks of the season. Um, I had to look back in the first month of Nick Sinzel's big league career, he had 279, 347, 469. That's an 815 OPS with four home runs and five steals, which is a 25-30 season over 162 games. And I, I, I'm trying to put myself back in the shoes of being thoroughly excited about the 2018-2019 Reds beginning to emerge from the god-awful mess they waded through from 2015 onwards. Um and try to do my best to to watch what the Reds have right now, but also temper my expectations a little bit and know that, yeah, it's been, what, 13, 14 games already, and we can't pin all of our hopes on what we've seen so far. Um, just kind of a fun little little mental exercise that I put myself through knowing that Nick Sinzel was back on the roster. Uh, I guess, what are, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on being a little bit... Um, acknowledging of what we've seen from the young guys on the Reds roster right now, even some of the ones we've seen start the minor league season, many of whom have started the well, but also trying to temper our expectations just a little bit more and try to find some patience in all of this. Well, uh, the, the 2018 season uh, isn't one that I remember with a ton of fondness. 
because, you know, there was a true sense at the end of that year, like, man, this isn't working, which is, it's, it's why they went out and got some players that people had heard of, uh, Yassiel Puig, Tanner Roark, et cetera. And, and injected a lot of enthusiasm in, in, into the fan base. And, and even that year, you know, they were doing the whole, they got Matt Harvey that year. And I remember spending a lot of time listening to people debate the merits of keeping Matt Harvey. And I'm, I'm like, well, really, we're, we're going to, we're going to waste breath on that. Um, and so, you know, that season at the same time, you know, I mean, you could, you could look in the farm system and be marginally excited about some of the players they had, uh, a Eugenio Suarez, you know, was on that team in 2019 and he kind of felt, or 2018, you kind of felt like, well, he's, he's going to be a foundational piece. And, and Luis Castillo was getting the ball every fifth day and, and showing uh, flashes of the guy he could be, you know, Tyler Malley. I'm, I'm not sure made anybody feel great about he was about how he was throwing. Rysel Iglesias was on that team. What I remember most about that year, aside from the crappy start, was uh, in spring training and just before, everybody fretting about how they were going to split the playing time between four outfielders because they had Duvall, they had Shebler, Winker, and, and still Billy Hamilton. And I remember kind of going like, you know, that's going to work itself out and, and probably not in the ways that we would like. Back, back uh, in the, pre, the pre-designated hitter days as well, yes. Yeah, that, that, yes, yeah, right, yes, when the pitcher was still batting. So, but, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe not so much in real time because they got off to such a rough start, but but there were, you know, there were things, as, as it turned out, when we thought that they could contend in 2020, there were players from that 2019, from that, uh, I'm sorry, 2018 team that ended up being still here. And that you look back on and go, okay, well, they, they could have made up the core of what could have been, you know, you think Jesse Winker, you think Suarez, uh, you obviously think, uh, Luis Castillo, you think Rysel Iglesias, who was, who was on the 20 team, um, yeah, Tucker Barnhart, who was on the 20 team. So yeah, I, I but, but I don't know that in real time, I mean, n- nothing about that season in 2018 made me feel like Ashcraft, Lodolo and Green do. Or uh, nothing about what where the farm system was then makes me as made me as interested as I am in Ellie De La Cruz and and CES and and even some of the other guys. You do talk about tempering expectations, and I, I was talking on the air with Aram Layton from Just Baseball, and and he did the you know his top one hundred prospects, and a hundred prospects is a lot of damn prospects. Near the bottom of the list is Matt McLean, and my question for him was like. All right, the 97th best prospect at a time. How good is that guy usually, right? Because you hear top 100, well, those aren't going to be 100 all-stars. Hell, those aren't going to be 100 big leaguers. So I think what's hard for a lot of us is we we see and hear the projections for Ellie to be a superstar. Okay, how good are some of these guys going to be? Because some of them, you know, you have some fans who are going to see, well, guy's a top 100 guy. Boy, he that dude's going to be uh, like an eight-time all-star. Well, he could end up being a quality big leaguer and, and spend a lot of his time coming off the bench. I, I don't know. Um, but I am relative to where we were five years ago. I'm a lot more interested in what they have coming up. And the, the, the there's been nothing, you know, as good as their rotation turned out to be by the end of 19 going into 20 and, and even 21. Uh, there, there's been nothing that's gotten me as excited as Lodolo, Green, and and Ashcraft collectively and individually. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I think the pitching, I mean, and we're admittedly we're talking Luis Castillo, we're talking uh uh Tyler Malley, and I think Sal Romano was the other guy who was Oh, how could I forget him? No, forget Sal Romano, but a twenty four year old who they entrusted to get a hundred plus innings on that on that roster that we hoped would be a guy who was a kind of an overlooked later round pick who turned into something, which knock on wood, Graham Ashcraft is going to be much, much better than that, but also kind of somewhat in that same role. Um I think Kind of what I was getting at is that that you know it it seemed at that time that the Reds themselves thought that they had put together enough in that group to then go out and invest more than they ever had before in bringing in the studs to kind of back them up. And I look up now and I'm trying to see, okay, what are we beginning to see from this roster? What are we beginning to see from the minor league system as it begins to kind of take shape that that the Reds might be seeing also and say. Do we have enough? Where are we going to try to fill the, the gaps here? What do we need that we don't have currently? Um, I think they've got to be pretty damn excited about what it is they've got. No doubt about that. Uh, it just also, it, it's hard not to look up five years ago at the last time they really went through all this and see see a farm system that the, the top nine guys in the farm system all turned out to be big leaguers. Like they all got there, which you don't see every time there's a top 10 list anywhere. And um, and still that didn't pan out, despite the fact that it was enough at that point in time to, to kind of prompt the front office to kind of begin to start thinking about making moves. And, um, you know, obviously we're still absurdly early within this season, but it's just, it's, it's, it's the way I think I'm going to kind of start trying to watch what the Reds put together now and going forward, because, um, you know, they're, they're not building their active roster for, for 2023. They're building their active roster for 2024, 2025, and beginning to kind of, you know, mix and match the pieces that they think are going to be long-term assets there. Um, and with right. Sinzel getting getting back up as uh, as a utility guy already, it's just interesting to kind of see the parallels there and, and how how it might shake out going forward with that. BK? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the thing that seems different about this team than the 2018 team, for example, is I think just the – I think the, the guys they're investing in are – more exciting and higher ceiling guys. And I think that they learned their lesson with guys who, you know, they thought would have a high floor um, and didn't really work out that way. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he takes to it because, you know, it's not something and he's going to have really put ego aside to um, contribute, but, I, you know, I think I, I, I just keep on picturing Nick Senzel walking into the clubhouse like this morning, like with a cigarette, just like, you know, haven't shaved for a week. <laughs> like, let me tell you, boys, it doesn't last forever. The mean streets of Louisville are uh, rough, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I look up and also look, you know, getting back to 2018 also. Um, they gave Homer Bailey 20 starts. He went one in 14 with a 6.09 ERA and 68 ERA plus of all the bad Homer Bailey years. Like that was the worst one. And this year, obviously we're seeing significantly different approach in that if you're going to give somebody 106 innings, why pay them 20 million bucks a year um, to not be good? If you can pay somebody nothing to not be good. And, and that's kind of the way that the Reds are approaching this season of the rebuild relative to that year also. Um, you might even be able to draw a lot more parallels between the 2022 Reds and the 2018 Reds in that regard because they were working on trying to get a lot of the contracts off the roster 
going forward. But um, it just, it really, really seems like there are the pieces of this particular roster that they care about and care about deeply. And then the other pieces that they're just, they're literally just going to churn right through. And that's something that they weren't able to do the last time um, that this all happened. And uh, I think that's certainly a different approach to that. And maybe, maybe just maybe that's something that also fosters an environment for a lot more of the players to be able to go out there and, and, and succeed uh, somewhat pressure free um, from veterans that are willing to, you're not willing, but, but there to potentially take their job and take their playing time and know that it's just the other guys who are also trying to make their name that are the ones that may or may not take their playing time also. And I think that's, that's the kind of, you know, competitive environment that, you know, way, 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 way back in the day when I played sports on a non-professional level, um, the better the competition you had for playing time on your own team, the better I feel like you were prompted to have to play every day uh, just to make sure that you got to play every day. And I think that's something that, um, you know, reputation-wise, they've taken that aspect of the roster off this particular roster. And maybe just maybe that's something that's going to have a, a longer lasting impact than, a, than we've given it credit for so far. So, um, but yeah, put it this way, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how some of the guys who have gotten off to sharp starts, because a lot of the guys who we are hoping can be the future of the Reds have gotten off to really, really good starts this year. Um, but it's not unique within Reds rebuilds to see some of that early going on. And hopefully this time around, it's something that they can all kind of build on and, and, and take uh, uh, take further into the season and into their careers going forward uh, than with some of the guys that we've seen uh, in previous iterations of this. So, um, well, good stuff, guys. I appreciate uh, you both helping out with you, Mo. Thanks for for joining us as well. Uh, any any final thoughts on uh, the post one and five road trip and, and where the Reds are at five and seven going forward with the with the Tampa Bay Rays coming into town? I want the Rays to be sixteen and zero. Uh, Hell that's yes. what I want. Yes. I, I want to be the Bro, team. Yeah. yeah. I want that was going to be, gonna be my point too. <laughs> I know they got to go to Toronto, which is not going to be easy to get a sweep, but I want them to come to town 16 and 0. That would be, that would be fun. Yeah. I'd love to see them just like pack the ballpark for those and just like, just, just treat them like it's game seven of the world series every night and uh, see how that series goes. And I mean, it's going to all- be exciting. For all the one in five talk we've talked about on the road trip that they just had, they have a winning record at home right now. So maybe, maybe that is what this with this Reds team is, which is that they go on the road, they're going to get beat up a lot. It's just going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of good teams out there. When you play on the road, it's hard to win anyway. <laughs> but if they do make it back to Great American Ballpark and for the 81 games they play there, it becomes something of a refuge in a place that they they defend and they they call home and they do their best to to, to put up a puncher's chance. Maybe that's what defines this particular Reds team. You know, at least in the spot where they're most comfortable, they can find ways to win games. And we've seen that so far. Competition hasn't been great, admittedly, but it's going to get better with the Rays. Maybe just maybe setting the stage with that kind of uh, win streak coming in would be the perfect thing to kind of help give this team an identity, which is that, you know, you come to Great American Ballpark, it doesn't matter what we've done everywhere else. Maybe that's where we take our stand and we put up some really damn good baseball. Uh, so that would be that'd be tremendous to see. Nothing about that. So, um, yeah. Well, cool. Well, for Mo and for BK, walks will haunt. Uh, thank you for joining us for the latest episode. Like and subscribe if you find us where you find us. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, Good Lord Stitcher, you name it. We're there. Look us up. If not, we will try our best to share this 
accordingly and uh, and try to catch you this time next week as well. So for Mo and for BK, I'm Wick. Thanks for listening, guys.